morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to another Porsche Cool podcast. Usually, as you know, I usually do the introduction before Steve's online. Today, um, we're kind of a little bit all over the place. And also because it's a special... <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Steve. Happy 50th episode. There you go. That's what I was going to say. We're at our 50th episode. Do you believe that? I, I just don't understand how we've been able to talk for so, for so many episodes, Steve. Um, but we'll get into that in a second. But welcome back, everyone. So this is, um, this is Friday's episode. Um, I hope everyone has had a great week. Um, during the week, uh, when was it? On Tuesday, the owner stories came up, which was, I can't even remember the number now. Is it seven, Steve? Was it owner stories seven? Mm, I don't know. I think it was owner stories seven. I have no idea. Um, so we had Connor. Um, Connor was, um, from Salt Lake City in Utah. So Connor was talking about his, uh, Carrera 4S cab in a very special white, which I think, if I get this wrong, Connor, excuse me, but I think it's called cream white. It's not a PTS color. It's a um, special color. It's a bit like crayon, I think, now. But it's a, excuse me, it's a special color, but not a PTS color. Um, but Connor had a good story. So if you haven't uh, listened to that episode, check it out. Uh, you know where to find it, wherever you find your podcast. It's there, Apple, Google, etc. So that was owner stories, uh, Steve, from last Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just recorded another episode um, for Porsche Good Owner Stories, uh, which is for, with James. Uh, James is from Melbourne. James has actually got a really good story, and Steve knows a bit about this already. James has uh, over twenty has owned over twenty Porsches, so this is a really different story to what we've had before. It's not his first nine eleven or his first Porsche. It's not his second. He's owned over twenty Porsches, and those Porsches um, include cup cars. They include um, air cooled. They include water-cooled, and they include transaxle. So um, if you're wondering, if you've been waiting for an episode like that, that's the one to listen to, and that's coming up next Tuesday with James from Melbourne. So it's really good. So and he's then quite we... serious then. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's quite serious, and he's thinking, what are you Muppets talking about? No, he's good, James. I mean, he's very – I like his attitude. His attitude's a little bit like don't wait, you know, if you – be ready and, and mm. don't sort of wait. You know, he's got that sort of attitude, a bit like um, Ajmal, mm-hmm. I guess, and a bit like, I guess, how you are. Like, you know, I don't want to give it all away, but, you know, sell the car. If you want to get something else, you have to give up what you're enjoying now. You have to but, be ready. Yeah, yeah. you have to once, be ready. Once you've decided in your mind that you kind of want to do it, then you can't sort of mess around because you actually won't get anyway. Yeah, true, Steve. But and it's a Things bit, move too quick. Yeah, exactly what you did when you, you know, Steve had his 993 Carrera, right, Steve? And you sold it mm-hmm. well in advance before you got your GT3, right? It was a few months, I remember, you mm-hmm. were without it. Yep, yep. Because I, it's, yeah, if, if you're relying on the funds of the previous one to kind of get the new one, then there's no way that you're going to be able to kind of, particularly if you're sort of looking for something, well, they're all rare now, but pretend it's like you with a GT3. If you have to kind of... Um, trade your 997 in for a GT3, you're going to have to sell that first because um, if you need the funds to kind of do it, you won't be able to move quick enough unless, on your GT3. Unless I win a lot of money at the casino. Yeah. Or this somehow makes you rich. <laughs> Which I'm assuming at this point it's not. I'll have to learn Is how to gamble. Is that a segue gamb- to your Patreon <laughs> things? I'll have to learn how to gamble first before I can win money at the casino. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, uh, what were we saying? So, yeah, so um, uh, James is coming up uh, next Tuesday. Uh, another great owner story. The owner stories, um, the owner stories we're going to keep doing 
at least up until Christmas. I mean, this has been keep doing as in every week. Uh, as I originally said, Steve, as you know, I wasn't. We weren't going to do these every week. I was going to do them every mm. second week. Uh, it's turned out to be every week. Um, they're getting really good downloads. People are listening to them. So as long as that keeps up, I'll keep doing them every week. Uh, hopefully, I can keep mm. going till Christmas. I have two or three more people on the wings waiting. And then we're going to come and revisit uh, two people who have been on the podcast before, which is hopefully um, Ajmal and Nick, uh, which, you know, I want to talk to both of them again, which I think they both said yes. So hopefully they haven't changed their mind. Patreon, uh, we're going to get into the 50th anniversary in a second, Steve. Um, just let, I'll let <laughs> 50th you... 50th anniversary? 50th episode, Are you sorry. talking about a car or are you talking episode, about... 50th episode. We've got, to sort of, we've got to sort of correlate it with Porsche, right? 50, oh, how okay. do you say, what is it? Jare, Jari. Yare, 50 years, you know, the anniversary. You got any German fans? J-A-H-R-E. Nick would know. Nick speaks Mm. German. Okay. All right. So we haven't got any new members of Porsche Cool Exclusive this week. So that was a bit upsetting. Um, But if you want to join Porsche Porsche Cool Exclusive, it's $5 US a month. uh, And I think it's about the same in euro and pounds. They they convert it for you, as I've always said. Uh, It helps us keep talking Porsche. It helps me to get the... um, the new equipment from Tommen. I'm going to buy it all from Tommen, Steve, because Tommen is actually cheaper and they send to the UK and I think it's a German company. They actually send to Bahrain too. I have too. no idea what that is. It's, mm-hmm. It sells all microphones and recording equipment and it's actually, it's right. called Tommen, T-H-O-M, should be commercial, T-H-O-M-A-N-N, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But I bought, uh, have bought something from them before in London. I bought a couple of things which I can't even remember. Maybe this microphone stand that I'm talking into now. Um, so that's that, uh, Apple reviews, Apple reviews, as Steve always tells us, um, they help us get noticed on Apple podcasts. They help us <laughs> climb up, they help us climb up the charts. They help us, uh, be seen basically. Um, so we've had quite a lot of Apple reviews. We've had two more reviews this week. Uh, one from 9974GTS underscore KS. And I'm, I know who that is. That's actually Kestas. Kestas is from Italy. Kestas uh, lives between Rome and, it, and Florence. And he bought his first 911 and drove it. I think he drove it through Switzerland. Sorry, Kestas. I mean, you messaged me. And I, I don't have it in front of me. But I think you said you drove it back home. So that would have been a fantastic drive. The other person that gave us a, a good review on, on Apple Podcast is Baza. And Baza, I'm guessing, is Barry from the UK. Uh, Barry from the UK is... Patreon member as well, and Barry um, owns the GTS, and Barry's coming up in an upcoming okay. um, owner stories, which I hope to record uh, via Zoom when I'm in London. Um, I'm off to London on Saturday, Steve. Actually, Friday after, well, two in the morning, Saturday morning, we leave for London. Get ready for the stick. Yeah, stick. What stick? How many times have you got to get the stick? Twice? We don't have to get it in London. They don't test you. What? No, they don't test you. This is how crazy it is. Um, there's okay. no tests in London. You literally fill out a form online and then you go yeah. through the customs and then you have to quarantine for two weeks. Um, unfortunately, yeah. because UK is in lockdown, Steve, um, yeah. we normally hook up all our deliveries for our groceries. Um, yeah. Luckily, luckily, Natasha booked in a slot and booked in our groceries with Waitrose um, yep. about two weeks ago. So we have that yep. slot. We cannot get oh, any okay. other slot. There's no other deliveries, wow. not even with Ocado, which is the other company, because um, because of the lockdown. People are just, you know. So that means we actually are legally allowed to walk to the supermarket and get our food. 
Because you can't get it. You've already tried we can't to get, get it, it online. Yeah. I mean, the the right. delivery that we have coming when we arrive on the two week quarantine is um it'll last us you know a few days. That's it. Last us probably three. Don't or four you have days. to prove to Boris Johnson that you've starved a little bit first? Yeah, I know. But as I keep saying, Steve, it's still better than the Sydney um, Sydney situation. <laughs> I read an article in the Daily Mail, and it had the guy hmm. who did the five two diet that that health guy. I forget his name. And he's in Australia to do a, a TV show and he's in quarantine in a hotel about. room and he was trying what? to make it sound like it wasn't that bad, but it really is bad. It's, oh, I don't you know, think it would be pleasant. No. I, no sunlight, I no, you can't get out. You know, you've got to, they leave yeah. the sheets and towels by your door every couple of days so you can change your own sheets. Mm-hmm. We told Tasha's father that. He said, what? They don't, they don't come and do your own sheets and change your bed? It's like, <laughs> no, because you're quarantined. Yeah. <laughs> so... Anyway, well, um, yeah, I don't know. I suppose when you're on this side of it, maybe, maybe you might think differently if you were actually here. Because I suppose there's probably a reason why um, the numbers here are actually not too bad. So. True, true. But then again, they say that the cases from the hotel quarantine, there's only like a couple of cases a day. I guess it's 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 the level that they want to keep at, right? If they want to be zero, then you're going to have to keep the quarantine up for yeah. much longer. I don't. I sort of try not to follow it too much now because it's just a bit sort of. Depressing. depressing i suppose but um i think for a while there like a lot of the numbers actually were the people that were kind of um flying in as opposed to kind of local transmissions but okay it's never going to go away but whatever um so when we were doing last week's episode people will remember i got a call from rolex here in bahrain <laughs> about my watch for those of you who are interested uh-huh. yes i went and bought the watch on i don't know friday Saturday. I how, bought the watch. How much deliberation was there? It wasn't that much deliberation. Uh, a couple of hours. A couple of hours. <laughs> That's not that much for you. But it, it was tricky when I was there because I actually tried on a few other things. Uh, this is not a watch podcast, mm-hmm. but I just say it briefly. Um, I tried on a few other things. They did have the White Face Explorer 2. And I know all the watch fans and all the Rolex fanatics all think the white one's better. Trust me, the white one is not better. And someone said a very interesting comment to me. I think it was on the Rolex forum on Facebook that I'm on. He said mm. the white face is better in the old version, which is a 40 millimeter watch. The white face in the mm-hmm. 42, he agrees, doesn't work. And I think he's actually spot on because I think when I see the white one and it does look good, it is the old 40 millimeter with the red hand. The new one that I have has the orange hand and it's 42 millimeters. But if you're thinking about buying a watch and you want a sports watch that's not really a sports watch, honestly, t- Steve, the, the, the Explorer 2 is very thin. But, which means, but it, but it means the bracelet. It means the bracelet is a little bit thinner. Like the lugs are slightly smaller, um, mm-hmm. and when it comes to the bracelet clasp, it's a little bit smaller. The thing that bugs me the most about the watch, and I haven't really worn it. I haven't even taken the stickers off yet. But the thing that bugs me the most is the crown. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with the crown. It's a quality crown. Everything's fine. It's Rolex. It's you know all of all the thing. But what worries me mm. about the crown is it feels really small compared to my um, Sea Dweller and to my GMT Master. So it mm-hmm. feels thinner, and because it's only double lock, I think not triple lock because it's only got a hundred mm-hmm. meters water resistance. It's not as it doesn't feel as I don't know. It doesn't have the same feel to it. It doesn't doesn't give me the same feeling right. as my other one. And then the bracelet at the back here. It does look thinner, like it's a. It actually looks the clasp. thinner. Yeah, the clasp because yep. the the lugs are thinner. The lugs, I think, are a weird. I think their lugs are forty one or something. They're a really weird mm-hmm. size. From the from the watch uh, where it joins the strap. From the case. You happy with it though? 
Yeah, no, I'm happy with it. I'm really happy with it. But I want to just, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's a funny story. And people who are trying to find Rolexes will find this hilarious. I've been trying in London to get a watch for, you know, for the last 12 months. And that's why I bought ones in Bahrain. And I pay a little bit more, as I say, because, you know, the prices are increased here. But with the Explorer 2, the price was very similar to the London price. Now, when I say very mm-hmm. similar, it's not just pocket change. It's similar-ish. You know, I, it's still a reasonable amount of money. It's just not as much yeah. as the other ones I bought. It's not as much of a difference. Yeah. So, you know, Watches of Switzerland is part of the group, which is um, Goldsmiths in the UK. Goldsmiths, I bought the two uh, tutors from, the one that for you and mm-hmm. the one for me. And I have a good relationship with the girl there. And when I wanted to put my name down at Watches of Switzerland... They wouldn't let me put the name down unless I came in and put my name down. I went in there one day, you know, no one was there to serve me and it was busy and it was like, you know, they had two people in there and it was, well, it wasn't busy. It was just there's two people in there and they were both busy. So mm-hmm. I just gave up. I waited 10 minutes. I gave up and I didn't go back. So then I emailed the girl at Goldsmiths and I said, you know, Kengi, can you get this for me? Can I buy it from you instead? Because I like dealing with her. Mm-hmm. She said, no, but I can pass on your details to them. And I said, okay, pass on my details. I didn't hear anything from them. So in my mind, mm-hmm. I'm not on the wait list for mm-hmm. the Explorer 2. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently I was because yesterday I got an email saying my Explorer 2 has arrived. Do I want to take it? <laughs> oh, it's just that they never, they never um, bothered to kind of talk to you. No communication. So yeah. <clears throat> I, had to, I had to turn it down, of course, because I don't need two. Um, so it did actually come in. So there is hope for people out there who think they're not going to get a watch. I mean, I did have a bit of purchase history because of the two tutors. And because of my mm. relationship. And I keep coming back. Anything with this, Stephen, it's like cars as well and Porsches and everything. It really is, it's not about how much money you have. It's about the relationship you make with the person in the watch store. You know what I mean? You don't have to be a millionaire. It's pretty, you just have pretty to have shit the relationship. when you think about it from a, from a, just a pure kind of consumer point of view. Yeah. I don't know if I really kind of agree with it. I get, I mean, I get, I get how the whole system works. And you reminded me of, um, have you ever watched, you probably um, heard of David Lee, the really famous Ferrari collector yeah, in yeah, um, yeah. the States? Yeah, he's a guy you want to um, be friends with. Yeah, and he owns that um, uh, jeweler as well. But um, I remember kind of watching some of his old kind of YouTube things and basically he was sort of saying like, you know, to really get into the kind of proper the proper, proper Ferraris, you just obviously need to kind of suck it up and, you know, just kind of buy like gazillions worth of Ferraris over and over and over. But yep. not many people can afford to do that. It doesn't mean that they're less passionate about, you know, like in your instance, Rolexes or whatever else. Um, but Porsche is like I know like I'm that. sort of saying the obvious, but... Porsche's the same. Did you yeah, see... Yeah, did you see that... They, but they um, weren't always. They weren't always like that. No, they weren't. But did you – there's a couple of points I want to – I think are interesting about – let's just talk about the Ferrari thing first. With the Ferrari Mm. thing, you know, Mm. if you have to buy – oh, we just got a new Patreon member. I just had the notification come through, so there you go. I'll do a (laughs) shout-out at next week's episode because I can't look at it during the podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. With the Ferrari, like you have to buy X amount of Ferraris before you can get – if a special one comes out or if something else comes out, right? So you have to get – you have to buy X amount – but honestly, if you have to buy three Ferraris, like TGE TV, TGE on YouTube, he yep. said that, you know, when he bought that Pista from a dealer, that blue and yellow Pista, yep. right, he had to buy another car to get that car. He yep. actually bought an FF yep. Ferrari in apparently like some not great color as well that he had yep. to resell, 
and he had troubles. He said he actually, I think he said in one of the episodes, he had troubles reselling it. But he had to buy that car so that they would sell him the Pista. Yeah. Now, I guess at the time, Pistas were not hard were hard to come by. The Ferrari Pista. Um, yeah. But you know, like I've got to buy three or four, three Ferraris or two Ferraris before I buy one. Why wouldn't I just buy a Pista that is two hundred thousand pounds above list? Because I, you I, can't I, spec it the way that you want. No, but I mean. But he didn't buy it new either. See, he didn't buy that car. New. Know, That's the I thing know, I found weird with him. Yeah. I guess if you can spec it from you and you spec it exactly how you want and you're going to yeah. keep it, I guess, or you have to spec it in a color that you know is going to give you money when you resell it, right? So you buy the right spec. Yeah. Okay, correct? Yeah. yeah but yeah, it's pretty yeah. fucked though. Sorry about my language, but it's pretty fucked. I, I, I don't agree with it. Um, and then oh, Porsche. But what about the Porsche the thing? Sorry, Steve, go on. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm nodding and agreeing with you. Like... Um, I get the, because again, from a marketing or customer relationship sort of thing, they're just sort of breeding kind of um, an air of exclusivity kind of thing, which is, you know, which is smart from a kind of marketing brand building point of view, but not to the point where you have to kind of buy like a shit car to kind of buy a supposedly kind of good car or, you know, the same with Rolexes, like particular, more so with Rolexes, like well, the Rolex fact that the if same, you really actually. have to, yeah, if you have to kind of go and buy shit Rolexes or really bad jewellery or whatever just to kind of get, um, you know, the watch that you want. And let's face it, like the bit that I that's sort of surprises me the most about Rolex, like I'm not into it nearly as much as you are, um, but if you get to the point, uh, the, the thing about that is that Rolexes aren't as rare as and as exclusive no. as that, so they can't quite behave the same way Ferrari can, and it's just bizarre that they're kind of going down that path. But even with yeah, but the whole watch market is that way. It's like the watch market, the car market. It's almost the same. Like it's not just Rolex. It's Patek. Mm. It's AP. It's yeah. You know, yeah you've got yeah. the same situation at all these places, you know. And that rubbish. What Steve's talking about buying the jewelry. That was another. That was a Rolex dealer in Canary Wharf in London, mm. uh, who's also in other parts of London in Manchester and stuff like that. Um, but honestly, them telling me I had to spend a hundred or thousand or whatever in in jewelry to get on the list for Rolex, you know, this is why watches are Switzerland, at least they put me on the list, I got a watch. Now, bear in mind, it's not one of the new 2020 models, you know, which probably is a different matter. And I have actually responded to them and put out a feeler if they can about the 2020 model that I want, the two models, one of the two models. So we'll see what happens with that. And Explorer 2, it's it's under the radar. Um, I've read things on forums and things already. I don't want to talk about watches too much, but I, I read things on forums already, Steve, that, that people <laughs> no people are buying up the Explorer 2. Mm-hmm. They want new examples or new examples that are, you know, on the resale market with full papers, stickers on. People want new ones because they reckon the price of that Explorer 2 is going to explode because it's, yeah, going, to be, it's going to be discontinued in a couple of months. It'll be discontinued. It's probably what we've sort of said before, though. Like, I don't... I, I, I'm not in that sort of sphere, blah, 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 but I don't understand the whole notion of buying shit for the value because the value is it buying something that you enjoy and yep. wearing it, driving it, all that sort of stuff. If you're buying because you sort of, um, it gives you jollies because, you know, like one minute you, you sort of paid 20 grand for it, the next minute you doubled your money. But if you've got no intention of selling that, that value means now, apart from a little bit of bragging rights, it makes makes you it validates you, makes you feel a little bit smarter and stuff like that. But otherwise, I don't. I don't know. It's just a bit of a weird kind of system. Yeah, 
Because you're not in the market of selling your watches. I mean, Steve has a lot of watches, but you're not in the market of selling them, right? You cause, but it, it does yeah. make you feel better that you know, oh, okay, I paid that. So now I've, you know, I haven't lost money. You don't lose money on watches. Yeah. yeah Usually yeah, you absolutely. don't. If you buy but, it correctly, you won't lose money. You know what I mean? But for example, if you're sort of saying that people are out there kind of buying Explorer 2s like what you've kind of got because they think that it's going to run out, blah, blah, blah. Are they buying uh, it because they actually like the mm. watch? Or are they buying it because they're trying to kind of cash in on it? Um, no. And, that, and if, yeah, I, that's just, if I was buying I to know. cash, if I was buying to cash in, I would have bought the white face. Yep. Which I didn't. Yep. So I, I, I know you're not in that basket, but it's just, it's a funny old thing that the, all these kind of luxury brands are kind of getting into. And the other, the other sort of weird one, like whilst I'm ranting, I'm not in a great mood, so <laughs> I'm probably just going to say like a whole bunch of shit. Today but, on um, the podcast, we have grumpy stuff. <laughs> I, um, I don't, uh, like who actually goes and pays all the premiums and all these kind of cars and oh, a lot like of who, who's, who's going to go and buy like a GT3, um, GT2 RS, like after it's kind of just been released and pay like, you know, hundred grand over the odds or well, who goes and buys like a, you know, a 10, a 10 grand sub for 20 grand. I don't, people do, there are some rich people, people do, out but there. You, you, you are going to lose money if you do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the GT2 yeah, yeah. RS, you know, the GT2 RS is a fantastic car. We all know it. I'd love to drive one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's one of the yeah, cars same. that I think you always want to have, you know, that and the, and the Carrera GT are the two cars that I think you want to drive. And mm. the GT2 RS, I remember, Steve, there was one for sale in Australia at 850000 mm. Australian dollars. Now, what's the list was, price for it? I, I don't know what the list price is, actually, but I saw the other day there was one for five ninety nine. Imagine if you bought the one yeah. at eight fifty, and now you, all you can get is five ninety nine. You've just – you've had a car, what, before anyone else, but you could have bought one, you know, six mm. months later for 600000 uh, I mean, what exactly, is the point? Unless you're willing to throw away <laughs> the money, you know? Well, the people with the money can't be that daft. So there must be something kind of going on. Like maybe they've got dealer licenses. So, you know, like they're not paying the stamp duty or something like that. Like when you're in that sphere, there must be some sort of little thing beyond being mega rich. Because even if you're mega rich, you can't be mega stupid. But look at this, you know, even the even the 911R. You remember when I bought my car? And let's go back. Oh. We're going back three and a half, almost four years, right? And Scuderia yeah. Graziani in Sydney, I'm not going to say it. He had two 911Rs and he showed me the picture of the yeah. one that he just got and it was like a special yeah. one because he's tied into collectors. And he, yeah. I said, how much are you going to list that for? He said, one million. Yeah. And now, and as you know, a friend, old friend of mine in Sydney had a yeah. 911R. I'm not sure if he still has it. He bought it at least for 450000 Australian dollars to make a profit yep. on it. Now, yep. $1 million. And now those those 911Rs are what? Sitting at what, Steve? Five hundred. I have no idea. Five I, have no I think idea. they're sitting at high 500s maybe. You know, so like yep. if you bought it for a million, you're never going to recoup that money. You know, you, you know, I think the 911R, I do still think in my, my head, I think the 911R is one of those collectible 911s. If you have one, you keep it for life, you will eventually, you probably will get your money back and you won't lose money. But you have to sit on it for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So anyway... Um, Steve and I are going ranting today, but we're back. We're on the 50th, we're on the fiftieth episode, and happy, I just want to go happy back. Happy fiftieth episode! Yeah, I want to go back to the fiftieth episode, and you know, so we're talking about watches. We're not a watch podcast. We're actually a Porsche podcast. If you haven't been here before, um, Steve is in Sydney. If you don't know, 
My name is Michael Bath. I'm in Bahrain at the moment, <laughs> London on Saturday. I never introduce ourselves. I always forget if there's new people, they'll just listen to the first, the latest episode and they'll go, who are these guys? Uh, so that's yeah, who whatever. we are. They would have turned off by now. That's who we are. No, they're not. Don't say that. <laughs> people like us. Okay. This episode is a bit of a milestone um, because I have to admit when I did that first episode on, I think it was August 2019, you know, what is Porsche cooled or why am I doing it or whatever, I don't know what it was. It was August 2019, I had the thing <laughs> to do a podcast. I had no idea, one, how to get a podcast up and running, um, but these things, you know, you research it, it's quite easy, you learn it. I mean, that's the best way to do it. You just learn it and then you know it's quite easy. Um, the first real episode, I reckon, was early December. And then during COVID, I decided, okay, I'm going to get serious about this. And I started making episodes because I was bored here in Bahrain. I couldn't go anywhere and was stuck in the flat. And then, um, you know, since that time, uh, so we're at 50 episode. Uh, like I said, we started Patreon membership, Porsche Good exclusive membership, so you guys can support the podcast. And I know a lot of you really like to support the podcast. So we've got 10 Patreons already. So thank you to everyone. I won't mention everyone's name again, but thank you to everyone who's a Patreon. Um, we've had almost 40 ratings, Steve, on um, on Apple for Apple Podcasts. I reckon we've probably had 15 odd reviews and that's probably due to me shouting out and asking you guys to do it. So I really appreciate that. Steve and I both appreciate that. Um, Steve joined the podcast and that was a great day. That was a happy day for me because I didn't have to <laughs> talk to myself anymore for 22 minutes. These podcasts used to and be 22 minutes and I remember someone said to me... sad be, day for everyone yeah. else. <laughs> someone said to me, it would be great if you could make the podcast longer than 22 minutes and I thought... How am I, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? I, I can't talk for any longer <laughs> to myself. Otherwise, I'll probably go to a become a crazy person, you know? Like you feel like you're talking to uh -huh. yourself. YouTube's a bit like that, so I had practice. Um, but Steve came in at episode 21. That was in June. So it's almost been six months. And we started that conversation, Steve and I's chats, which you guys are really enjoying and people keep telling me how you like it. People keep telling me how you like, you know, making fun of Steve, how he's not on social media. And we started with the best first Porsche 911 to own. And we talked about your Porsches in that episode, Steve. We spoke about your 964, mm -hmm. Carrera 4, your 993, and your GT3. Correct? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that was that. Um, so anyway, um, thank you for everyone for supporting the podcast. Like I said, we're going to keep going. We're at 50. Uh, if we keep doing two a week. Next milestone in my head is 100, so let's get to 100 episodes. I think we can, Steve. Um, we just have Take to keep talking. <laughs> Did you, you didn't know. I said you're only going to have to do a few episodes, and now it's like, <laughs> what is it? Yeah. 21. That's What's that, 29 episodes? It's 21, 21 hours. That's 20, 21 hours of my life <laughs> talking to the world. And you know what? And, and I know we laugh about this, but, you know, we're talking about 50 hours oh. of content. You know, it's not 50 hours because they weren't all 50. They weren't all an hour. But just to say, that, you oh. know, it's, it's close to 50, 40 hours of content. And I'm not trying to blow our own trumpet here or, you know, but making that amount of content is actually not easy. And we can only do it when we have support. And, and honestly, the feedback and the, and the comments, Steve, I know you laugh about them on social media and stuff like that, but it does actually help us just to keep... <laughs> no, but it does help us to keep going. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and also, our Porsche Cooled Instagram uh, is almost at 12,000 followers. I mean, I feed that beast every day. It's like to get to 12,000 followers on Instagram, I'll tell you now, is, is... I don't know whether it's worth it. I think it's worth it, but it takes a lot of work to feed it. I, I know what the algorithm is. I know how to feed it, but it takes a lot of work. Um, but thank you, everyone, for following Porsche Cooled. If you haven't been there, just go across and go follow because it, it's a good one, lots of good pictures. 
Um, now, Steve, I just want to go back to last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and last week's episode, you were talking about the tires and you had to go to, um, I think, Grounded Auto House or someone else just to check because you want to get your um, Weiss Gold wheels yep. and, and switch out your wheels on a regular basis because, I don't know, you're bored, I guess. Um, so one day, <laughs> one, day yeah. one day you'll have black yeah. wheels and the next day you'll have gold wheels. Um, I don't know if you're going to do this every day. Every morning when you wake up, you I go downstairs and get your jack out and you need to get one of those lifts. Because I want like, my wife to kick my ass. You need to buy um, a lift. Yeah. You need to buy a lift like James would or the amateur. Yeah, negative. I live in an apartment. <laughs> um, but anyway. Okay. So um, update us on the tire situation, the TPS thing. I think that's interesting for people. Yeah. So I reached out to um, Autohouse and they... They're super busy, but they got back to me as they always do. Um, they're, they're, they're always very good to me. Um, and it's not as easy as I was kind of hoping in theory. So if the idea is that you've got two sets of wheels um, with tires, obviously, and you want to set up um, the TPMS sensors on both of them so you can basically swap them as much as you want. Like clearly use me as example i wasn't going to do that every week i'd probably do it every kind of six months right um i was trying to figure out whether this was kind of possible um because the the tire pressure monitors um is obviously kind of like making sure that it's sort of functioning every time you kind of switch them over yep um the answer that i got was it's it, it might be possible but there are no guarantees the first part of it was that I don't know if you remember I was deliberating between just getting the um, the OE parts um, from HUF, which apparently just branded kind of Porsche um, from for the factory kind of thing. Where is that company um, from? Germany, I think. Okay. I think. Um, so um, Grant said to me he reckons that you definitely have to get Porsche ones. You can't use the aftermarket ones. Or the okay. HUF ones, um, so that's I think sounds like I reckon the difference is probably instead of being maybe three hundred bucks um, shipped to Australia, it's probably I didn't even I didn't price them, but when when I looked it up online, it looks probably my guess will be maybe five six hundred bucks out of Porsche Australia if okay. I ordered it from a dealer or Auto House, I think they can supply it. Um, so that's Grant not too said bad. To me, he th- yeah, uh, on a this is just on a sort of kind of weird kind of time filling whim. But um, he said, "Look, I, so I'd have to go to the factory things. He could probably kind of give it a go. He'd have to kind of code them all out, sort of very specifically." And I did notice he sort of mentioned that um, when you kind of flick through the um, the system on your um, on in your car. There's the option for kind of summer and winter tyres. So I think he was alluding to the fact that you could code a set as your summer tyres and then code the other set as a set of winter tyres. I was going to ask you that actually. Yeah, but he wasn't 100% sure whether or not... Well, he sort of said that he wouldn't know for sure if it would work until we literally kind of tried it. And then he sort of said the other kind of little catch to it is that um, uh, I think he was kind of confirming that they're a little bit sort of sort of temperamental kind of thing but he sort of said like see the thing is that if you kind of swap them around it might take like 60 kilometers of kind of running before they actually kind of sync properly so it just might not be that's not a big deal if it only takes 60 kilometer drive see i was going to ask you that question actually steve 
Um, people in extreme clients, in extreme clients, extreme climates, climates. that have yep. summer and winter tires. There must be a lot yep. of people who listen to the podcast who are in those climates. I know there are. And yep. if you have to set a sec, if you have to change over to your winter tires, do their yep. winter tires have a TPS sensor in them? So Porsche must have something in their settings that people, because there's Probably. too many people in Europe that have that, right? So that summer winter setting, which is going to ask you, how do people in extreme climates do it? So maybe that is the option. Maybe someone who's listening to the podcast who does this, who has TPS, TPMS monitors, isn't it? TPMS monitors. In two sets of wheels. Yep. In two sets of wheels. Maybe they can send me a DM and tell me how, how it works. Um, I'd be interested. I mean, or just sure how reliable or unreliable it is. Um, look, the, I, part of the reason for reaching out to Grant was not just because he's sort of the, the guy that I ask. Like I've known um, auto house guys for 20, more than 20 years. Um, so they're really good to me. They always look after me. Steve's um, 25 but, now, um, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've known them <laughs> since I was five. Um, but I also kind of uh, was, I assumed that I sort of pondered, like, what did the track guys do? But they rightfully sort of said to me, track guys don't you, uh, rely on tire pressure monitors because they're constantly bleeding their pressures on track to kind of adjust and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. um, basically nobody... Nobody in that sphere um, relies on um, the tire pressure monitors. So, look, the end result, like what I was sort of chatting with um, Grant about, and actually, sorry, Grant and Chris at Autohouse, who also helped me, they both called me back, um, was I kind of arrived at the notion of, oh, shit, I don't really know if this is worth it because it was really just because I've got a set of Weiss gold wheels sitting in a cage downstairs and it would be kind of nice to be able to switch them backwards and forwards. But they're happy though, these wheels. Really the the they're not being mistreated, everyone. They're in a cage, but they're not mistreated. <laughs> yes, they're not. Um, I just thought it'd be kind of cool to be able to swap them around. But So it's kind of gotten me to the point where I think if I was really going to do the second set of wheels and tyres, I'd just kind of um, not bother with the sensors and just live with... Um, sort of but every time you turn the car on then the little kind of um, exclamation mark comes up and then you've just got to hit okay and then just um, go along your merry way kind of thing where is the where is the summer winter setting though where is this setting that grant said you know because if you have summer and winter tires and you have two sets yeah, both just for the tri monitors it's it's um right in front of your eyes it's not in the um pcm in terms of the console where i've replaced it with the um yep it's on your dash. system it's yeah, it's in the dials. So you can just fix it up in the settings in the in the settings and say what it is. Yeah, look, you know, if I was if I was really, really kind of um, wanting to do it, then I could give it a go and I could potentially hose, you know, the cost for the sensors plus then getting Grant to kind of code it. He he sort of said that it wasn't it was a little bit more complicated to kind of do the coding. Um, and he said that he was the one that literally does it there. You but, always you almost want to try it though. Maybe you should uh, ask. I don't if it's going to cost thousands. No, I don't think it's worth it. For, would you ask Porsche you know, um, South Sydney for a second opinion on what they say, on how they work around it? Mm, I, don't, part, I mean, the parts no, department, would you ask them? Uh, I don't think they'd be able to answer. Like, you know, Sarah at um, South Sydney, Porsche is really good in terms of parts and everything. Um, but I don't think, I can't imagine why they would have a differing kind right. of opinion or whatever else. And like... Ultimately, it, like I sort of said, it's not whether you can or can't do it. It's probably more that like all of this for something that even if you can do it, but it still costs like 
I don't know, call it 1500 bucks. I'd kind of go, oh, it's not really worth it. Just because you get so many nails on your tyres, though, that was what we were saying last week, that it would help you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's another question I want to ask you, and I've had, I think I've had three messages about this in the past week. Yeah, go. No, I have actually. I've had three messages about your shifter knob. People keep asking me about your shift knob. I had a question about someone asked me what the weight of the knob was compared to the stock. Compared to the stock one, is there a big difference in weight? So I know why you're asking because I used to love, like in previous cars, used to love like those Momo um, sort of metal aluminium. Yep. Or whatever it is, the stainless balls. So, like, it, it, it's like an original MX-5. The gear knob was weighted, so it actually kind of felt really good in your um, in your hand. Right. Um, the wooden the wooden one's lighter. So, the um, if you kind of think about how it kind of pivots when there's more weight in the actual kind of gear knob, then I think it sort of makes the throw more positive. Okay. Um, the downside to the wooden um, sort of gear knob is that it's lighter by by far to like whatever, I mean, your, your standard factory Porsche thing is sort of plastic. Um, so it's a better it, feel. It does actually have more weight in it. Yeah. Um, just to refresh people, because it's from Carbone. Carbone is in Poland. Mm-hmm. It comes with the knob. It comes with the metal shaft, the metal rod, mm-hmm. and it's an easy yeah. fit, right, Steve? You fitted it quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's really easy. Like pulling, pulling the existing thing, there's tons of YouTube kind of clips, but... Um, you only have to watch two of them and then you'll kind of figure it out really quickly. And then um, I think most of these things are pretty standard. Like there's a couple of little Allen um, Allen bolts that you just have to kind of get, get into and just to tighten it all up. Okay. Um, but yeah, no problems. I had it. Like mm. even for a mechanical imbecile like me, um, it's it's dead easy. You know, I had a couple of people asking one where we got it, where you got it from. Um, I thought we said it in a couple of episodes, but I had, a, like I said, I had three people this week and another another guy that was interested in the weight. Um, so I think you've answered okay. those questions, it's, um, but it's Carbone. Go to Carbone. Carbone, or, car um, hyphen bone, car hyphen bone. Um, yeah, I did send it. somebody, I think in Australia, actually this wasn't last week, this is before that. I've actually had a lot of questions about that shifter when I think about it a lot, more than anything else. Um, it's I also sent them Joel's, yeah, um, I sent someone Joel's, yeah. Joel's email too. And the question I want to ask you is, did you order the, the black one? I'm still waiting to hear from Joel. Okay. He's he's a busy boy, and okay. um, uh, like you, I understand your sort of <laughs> how you feel about things when it takes a little bit more time. I I don't know. I'm starting to lose my kind of interest. I don't know. But yeah, which is um, it's cool. Like I understand people are busy. So Joel, if you're listening, let me know. Um, um Steve's referring to my leather parts and. For everyone who's wanting to know, no, it hasn't been resolved. And yes, I am over it and I'm bored of it. And now I really don't care. Like I just, in fact, I might even sell all the parts on eBay and just get rid of them because I don't know if I can look at them anymore. Um, so that's where I am. But you I, am, want to do I, am that, I am in a bit of a way this morning. So that's probably the reason why I'm thinking that. But I just, I'm just over it. It's just boring. I find it boring and just wasting my time now. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand how you can email someone and they take over a week to respond to you, a week to two weeks. And then the answer you get is still not even resolving anything. It's just like, it's just crazy. Did you listen to, and I think I might have asked this last week, and I've told some mm-hmm. other people to listen to it. Did you listen to the Smoking Tire podcast with, um, I forget his first name, Serio and Cam Ingram? I mean, I Steve. listened to it. Yep. I listened to it because I wanted to hear <coughs> Cam Ingram, which is Porsche Malone, which his father is the Ingram collection. I thought he'd be talking yep. a lot about Porsches, and he did a bit. And, you know, I think he's, he's interesting. Yep. 
But Syria it was interesting the thing about the auctions, isn't right? He, um, hmm? Isn't isn't Serio um, Seinfeld's guy? No, I don't think so. I thought he was um, the mm. dude that sort of sources mm. a few of um, Seinfeld's guys. I don't know if he has. I know Seinfeld's guy is an older guy that he's friends with that's been around for years and he was on one of the podcasts, I think, with Spike or... Yeah, was Spike. is that the same dude? I didn't think it was that guy. Okay. I don't know. I could be may, wrong. I may have got it wrong. He was on He was on, um, He was was on. on Spike's or um, Smoking Tire. Really? I didn't think it was Sorry, that guy. Sorry, I haven't guy. slept much, which is why I'm so kind of mm. weird today. No, I didn't think it was that guy because of the way he spoke. The other guy was a bit more modest. <laughs> That's how I say. I thought the okay. other guy was much more modest, so I don't think it was the same person. I could be wrong. Right. Um, but yep. I thought it was interesting thing about the auctions, about pushing auction prices up. I mean, those sort of things I'd, I hadn't even heard of before, you know, that auctions are so unregulated um. and... You know, you've got six of a car and you buy the, you, there's eight of them and you buy the seventh one for four million so that you can push the rest of your six up in price. Yeah, I'd heard that about um, uh, the art, fine art market. Same thing with, um, you know, yeah, the sort Leonardo of like, da Vinci thing that was. Uh, no, even contemporary art. I believe that it's geared the same way. So, like, you kind of back an artist, you hold most of their stock. So then when it goes to auction, you kind of bid the hell out of the kind of price to kind of bump up the prices. And, um, mm. yeah, like I, I think I watched a documentary that kind of said the same thing. So it wasn't that sort of surprising. Um, you know, I wonder if I watch auctions are the same. It's what, big money. I wonder if watch auctions are the same. They probably are. I thought it was, so. yeah, I thought it was interesting though. The thing about, you know, you buy a classic car and this is what we're getting into hmm. here. And this, uh, we're going to lead into this. Um, the classic car um, situation that if you buy a classic car and, and they're talking about the US and I always think the US, especially Los Angeles, there's so many people that you could get, you know, like we've talked about Polo Motors and and Rod yeah. Emery and Benton and all these people. But apparently there's so many like specialists. And I think this is what they were saying, wasn't it? So many mum and dad shops who were like quite good, who are, have actually closed down like this, this dying breed of these people that know how to rebuild a Porsche engine and and them saying that, you know, if you go into that field, you've got a job for life and there'll be people fighting over over you mm. if you're actually good, which if is a bit scary because what happens to, you know, classics in the years to come, you know, like if, if people aren't, if it's not something that's appealing to the youth to go in and, and get your hands dirty and rebuild an engine or re-upholster the leather of a Porsche 912 or a 911, who are the people, what's going to happen to these cars? You know what I mean? Mm, I, yeah, I didn't quite breed. get the same outtake. I, 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 I heard the bit um, in terms of what they were saying about like um, there's a handful of kind of really good guys and like once you kind of figure it out, you know, you've got a job for life. So awesome job security and yeah. like if you like doing what you do, amazing. It's sort of like when I went to visit John at um, Pro Stitch um, yeah. last week. It's like, man, I'd love to kind of have that kind of skills with my hand and hands and being able to kind of create stuff, the craft of it. And he's obviously very good at what he does. And I, you know, he said that he was kind of really busy and, um, you know, so busy that he kind of needed to hire other people, but, um, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. And imagine like I've, you know, heard kind of Grant talking about it as well in terms of building his own business. Like, um, if you're good at what you do and you're in that sort of specialized market, like with the Porsche yeah. specifically, um, there's always going to be a market for it. Um, I guess it's just up to those guys to kind of train people up and pass the baton on to you know, the next though, generation. Mm. Mm. But this is the problem, you know, if you want something, like when they're talking about it, I, I know we know the situation with custom Porsches. If you're buying a Singer, if you have mm. the money, if you're buying a Gunther Works, if, you, if you're going to Rod Emery, 
you know, you can't just yeah. go and say, I want, can you build me one now? Because basically these places are a year. Even uh, Will Hoyt, who does Spike and Zuckerman's yeah. car, who's well known in, in LA for um, doing 356 engines and stuff like that, even people like that, you know, you, yeah. you, you say you want it done, but you have to wait a year, 18 yeah, months, yeah. two years yeah. before you can get your car done. And then how long is it going to take to be in the shop? You know, look at, look at Zuckerman when he talks about his speedster. It's still in there. Three years later, he's never driven the car, hardly. Yeah. Yep. So that's the other problem. And I guess, you know, I guess you're always trying to find, and we keep talking about Porsche guys, but I guess you're always trying to find that right person. And when people do, it's everyone's getting onto the same person and that person can only do so much. And I've experienced that with the leather parts. You know, there's only one guy doing it and, and he might be a great craftsman, but the rest of it, it falls down. So it's, it's not always an enjoyable experience. And I get that feeling even from Zuckerman when he's talking about his speedster, that, you know, like he just wants it back already. You know what I mean? You know it's going to be great, <laughs> yeah. but you just want it back because it's like, how long does, does it take, you know? Yeah. So it's a tricky yeah. one. And that, that also leads into this other thing, Steve, about, you know, like everyone says, you know, I want, I want a classic car or I want an air-cooled or I want, you know, I want James Bond's Aston Martin even like they were talking about, and, you know, and then they, these people, yeah. whether or not you're spending $100,000 or $50,000 or $100,000 or $3 million and you'd say you want it, And then how many people buy it? And I know this is the case when people are buying these old Ford Broncos. I, I, I heard this on one of the other podcasts as well, that people want an old mm -hmm. Ford Bronco and they don't realize it's from the 60s. And when they drive yep. it, they literally drive it out of the dealer and they come back or they drive it off after they bought it off, bring a trailer and they take it back and say, this is shit. I, <laughs> this, yep. drives, this doesn't drive like my other yep. SUV. Your other SUV from 2020, it doesn't drive like that. Of course it doesn't, right? And it's the same with classic yep. cars. It really is... You know, maybe the more classic cars you have and the more Porsches you have, you realize what you really like and what, and if you're really into it. And this is a problem I have. I've never had an air-cooled and I've never had a classic car. Um, I still mm -hmm. want a 912. I still think, you know, I say I want a 912. And the reason why I always wanted a 912 is because of the price. Now, the price is going up. If the price mm -hmm. of a 912 gets close to a 911T, and Steve and I both watched Jay Leno's video and you should go to Jay Leno's garage and you should watch his video with his sepia brown 911T that he's restored and just listen to mm. it. And I'm telling you, after you, cool. listen, after you, how about that video, Steve? After you watch that video yep. and you hear the sound and you hear Jay Leno talk about it, it's one of his better videos, I reckon, maybe because it's about Porsche. But go and watch that video on Jay Leno's garage, that sound of that 911T. You know, but if, if a 912 gets to a value close to a 911T, I mean, I'm guessing the T's have to always go up, but there must be a ceiling. But if the 912s reach that level, well, I'd rather have a 911T. You know what I mean? Even being the 911T yeah, being... The T will always be more expensive, though. It will be always a bit more expensive, but is it better to jump that money to get a six-cylinder? I know the T is the entry level. You know, there yeah. was, for people that don't know, there was the 911T, E, and then S. So the T was the start of it. Um, but it did have a six-cylinder flat six, not a not a four-cylinder like the 912. But, you know, this is a problem, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know. You I mean, I, I don't, I'm no expert, but I'd, I'd make an assumption the six, the six-cylinder is always going to be better than the four, and the six-cylinder is always going to be um, decent amount more expensive. So it just feels like the prices of all of them are pretty much kind of going up. I don't think yeah. a 912 but, is going to hit the same price as a T, is it? Wow, they're getting up there, mate. They're really getting up there. I actually asked um, James about the 912. Um, I asked him mm -hmm. about prices, actually. Listen to that story because it's a good one. It comes up next Tuesday because he's yep. very, uh, you know, he has a good insight. And he yep. thought that, you know, the one in Australia for 90000 was way too expensive in his mind. It was way too expensive. Yeah. He's very realistic when it comes to cost. It's quite, 
He's a bit like you, actually. He's very realistic when it comes to cost. And I think he's had that experience in buying and selling so many of them that he, you know. Um, But he said 92,000 for a 912, he would rather get a cheap, he said you'd be better to buy a cheap 996 GT3. Pay a little bit more and get a really cheap 996 GT3. Just find the cheapest one you can. And he said you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it much, much yeah, more different. than 912. And so I, I would second that. Um, he sounds a lot smarter, more experienced than me, but I can understand somebody in return sort of saying they're two very different kind of cars and two very different experiences. Like, depends on the person that you're kind of talking to, I suppose. Yeah, and I want to get on to how you went and saw your uncle and you, and you drove a, a classic mm. car because, you know, you wanted to get the feel where they're... I guess whether or not you could get into a classic testing yourself. Yeah, classic 911. And I know that video from Jay Leno helped. I know when you watched that, I knew it would have would have sparked you as much as it sparked me because it really. Mm-hmm. I know he only did he only did minor sort of improvements, you know, but he did enough to still keep it very classic. He got a lot of parts for the interior from Stoddard, which is well known. Um, Stoddard's one of yep. the main places where people get parts for. You know, he did the the Webers right. Um, he yep. did a few things. He fixed up the suspension. He put the proper suspension that everyone puts on, which is not Bilstein. It's the other one, isn't it? What is it called? Uh, did he have conies in his? Conies, yeah, conies, which most people put on classic yep. 911s, 912s. So he really did yep. a really great job with the car. Um, I think the paint he just left, he didn't have to redo the paint. It was actually it was just stuck in a garage somewhere for years. Yep. But I think it's really interesting because uh, – and I just want to go back to James and I don't want to give away too much from the episode. And James, if you're listening, you know, I, I'm using you as a reference point because I found your story really, really interesting for me. And, you know, he had at one point – and he, you, you'll hear this in the story. He had a 98 hmm. – uh, he bought a 98 996. It's on his Instagram. It's in white. Yep. Uh, I think it looks amazing in white. I never realized how good that car looked in white, the shape of the curves of the yeah. 996. And that 996 yep. had a, I think it's an M014 package or M014 package. Yep. It had the sports package. Yep. And the sports package, yep. for those that don't know, in the 996 was basically, um, I think it had sports seats, it had sports suspension, and it had a, a limited slip diff. Um, that's what I read online. That was what was in that package. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's a package he had because it had a sports package. And he said that that 98 996 Carrera, he enjoyed driving it more than the 993 had before that in the, the 993 career. Mm-hmm. He said it was a better driving experience. Now, he said it's not necessarily all 996s, all water-cooled are all are better, but that yeah, yeah. particular one, because the 98, and he chose a 98 996 because the 98 is the lightest out of all the 996s. It's the lightest one. Yep. Um, yep. And it had other things too. I can't remember what he said, but he said he actually enjoyed that. And he talks about it in, in next week's podcast, next week's owner's stories, yeah, cool. that he actually enjoyed it much more than 993. And I thought that was really interesting because I didn't expect it. You know what I mean? I expected him to say that the air cool was better. I'm not saying it's oh, his favorite. I'm not saying it's his favorite car. It's just that he said when he went into the, nine, the 996 was still better than the 993. And I guess this is that thing, you know, do you want air cooled or do you want water cooled? And I guess you have to experience I, everything to know for sure. That opinion isn't that surprising to me. That sounds very much like what my uncle would kind of um, say. Who's you know my uncle's a car guy, owned like God knows how many cars, um, and it does make sense if you kind of go, you think about it. Like um, there's a reason why the car is newer, <laughs> you know, like ten years. 
whatever, however long it is between generations of um, 9-11s, like if it's eight years or 10 years or whatever, technology moves on. They're kind yeah, of pretty bloody smart engineers that pour millions of dollars into it. So they're making the car literally kind of better from a, you know, performance, mm. ride and handling, all of that sort of point of view. It's subjective as to whether or not that's the experience that you kind of want, but um, you can't kind of beat progress in terms of i'm not surprised that there'll be people that kind of um would say that um you know like it might not apply to somebody kind of like me because there's a very specific kind of experience that i sort of want which is you know a bit raw a bit noisy you know it doesn't um the fact that something kind of necessarily might handle better but it might be sort of more muted and a little sort of feel a little bit more disconnected um it does it works against it for me? Like right. the, the 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 payoff probably doesn't kind of work. Right. Um, hence why, you know, I didn't really kind of consider a nine nine six, or nor did I consider a standard kind of Carrera or a Carrera S, because I kind of knew that um, I wanted like the sort of the rawness, which is actually kind of more um, sort of the old feel, which is kind of why I knew to get from a nine nine three. The only way I could really go was a GT three. Right. But I think uh, James. Um, I, get, I get the point that's being made. Well, I think yeah, that, because it was a three point four liter nine nine six, the very first one, the yep. ninety eight. You know what I mean? But as yep. he said, because yep. it had that um, that package on it, that sports package, um, maybe yep. that transformed it and made it a lot better. Maybe I don't know. Like I'd be really curious to listen to it. It might be similar to when you listen to um, Jethro Bovington talk about his car. I know his has sort of been worked, but it wasn't always kind of. Oh, maybe it was kind of fairly modded when he bought it. But right. um, the way he kind of describes it is um, similar. And I think actually he's he's always sort of said that I don't think he kind of felt that 993s were that great to drive. Um, it's weird though because kind of if you look at forums yeah. and that, you always think that 993 Carrera is going to be better than a 996 Carrera. You know what I mean? But maybe it's the way it's spec'd and um, the way it is and the year and all those things, everything comes into it. Yeah, I think... It's interesting because, you know, like when I owned the 993, everybody kind of raved about it sort of thing. Um, I obviously kind of loved it to bits. Um, but I reckon the difference is, or for me, the way that I kind of think about it is that my car was honed, I think, out of the box. Like I remember driving my um, my uncle's kind of standard 993 and it was, I can understand sort of people like Jethro or maybe James in Melbourne or whoever it is sort of saying, ah, oh, it's not really that engaging. I'd, I'd kind of agree. Um, it right. wasn't until it was sort of slightly tweaked that all of a sudden it kind of, you know, was a little bit more like my 964. Um, yeah. And it made it like a hell of a lot more interesting. Yeah, yeah. So All right, yeah. so all my talk about 912s and classic 911s, Steve's starting yeah. to get the feel that maybe he needs a classic. You need an old 911, <laughs> a 911S or something. So... Hmm. To see if you actually like driving an old car, you went over to your uncle's and you drove his classic BM. Um, tell the listeners about yeah, that yeah. one, Steve. So you've heard me kind of bang on about my uncle. He's got like numerous cars. He's just kind of massive rev head. Um, so he bought two BMW 1974 2002s. Um, one of them is a TI. The other one isn't. Um He's had them for a while, but they've been in and out of shops kind of getting um, different mechanical things. One of them had, well, I think both of them had work on the gearbox and um, a little bit of paint work, a bit of trim work. 
Um, he's sort of at the point where he just loves his kind of cars and he's kind of tinkering with the old things. Um, but I just had, I hadn't had a chance to um, sort of hang with him and sort of have a go. So because you've been talking about vintage cars, like as in 912s so much, um, I thought I should make more of an effort to kind of go and see what it's like. So I went and visited him last week or the week before, I can't remember. And I had to go in both. And it was a bit of a test for me to kind of see, I can't remember if I said this on the podcast or whether I think I just said it to you, which was um, I had this sort of kind of pondering whether or not I was actually kind of mature enough in my car taste to actually appreciate like a vintage car because like right. obviously it's going to be slower, rougher, you know, all of that sort of thing might be a bit clumsy in the kind of gear shift. Um, all of those sorts of things. I sort of wondered whether or not I'd actually kind of appreciate it or whether I'd just kind of go, oh, shit, like, you know, I just don't really kind of like it. Um, and I think my uncle was sort of expecting me to kind of be like that because I think he just sort of thinks of me as, you know, his, you know, 20-year-old nephew that Rivhead. likes to kind of have cars but kind of, you mm. know, make them louder and do stupid things to them. <laughs> Um, and because he's not a modder, like he tends to buy cars and not really, you know, sort of leaves them bog standard. Anyway, so um, jumped in, jumped in both of them and they were amazing. They're so cool. Um, uh, they're not quick, but, you know, that bit that you, you're not in it for that kind of reason. Um, the thing that sort of most impressed me was the sound. Yep. Um, one of them's got... Um, I can't remember, was it Weber's or Solex? I think it was Weber carburetors on it. Right. Um, and that's, sorry, that wasn't the TI, obviously, because um, that's um, the so first. So what does he have it? An S and a TI, does he? I don't know what the I don't know what the non-TI one was. I guess that's just a standard one. So a 2002 um, and a 2002TI, which is the one that everyone wants. Or is it TII? TII, yeah. And the TII was the first fuel-injected, um, instead of the carbs, but the one with the um, the Webers sounded heaps better. Um, like nothing wrong with the TII, but um, so yeah, I, yeah um, it was just so cool to kind of drive. Um, no power steering, which is kind of interesting. Like yeah, um, be weird. Which car of mine had no power steering, but. Um, and again, I think that was one of those things where you kind of go, oh, are you really like, are, are you really sort of like appreciative of it? Because like the weight in non-power steering, um, when you're kind of moving slowly, uh, you can imagine as a deal breaker for a lot of people, but yeah. it wasn't for me. It was like, oh yeah, this is cool. Like once you get it going, it's, you know, once you're not parking and everything, it's perfectly fine. And it reminded me of, I can't remember which car of mine had no power steering. I think it may have been the MX-5. Um, right. How's the interior of the two double O twos? Is it okay? Does it hold up all right? I can't remember uh, what it looks like. You know, like they're old cars. I'm, I'm I'm assuming that that's probably what it would be like if you kind of jumped into your nine twelve or a, you know, like an unrestored kind of T or something like that. You know, like it's all vinyl. It's all period yeah. kind of stuff. But it is it's the sound, like, isn't it? Know. It's the sound and the lack of sound, the less sound deadening. And it's the smell of smell of petrol. Do you get that smell of petrol like yeah. you do in a air cooled? It's it's really compact as well. Like you can tell that if some if you run into something or if something runs into you, you're in trouble because you yeah. know there's not much. 
between you and the passenger and the outside world. Yep. Um, it's just car design is so different too, like the glass house around you in terms of you can see out, you can see everything when you kind of look around you, mm. um, watching the kind of world kind of race past you. But I was, I had the biggest smile on my face and um, I really, really enjoyed it. Like, um, hello to my wife if you're listening, but man, I'd love to kind of um, get one. Um, get a believe, BM or like get a uncle. classic, just a, cl- a Porsche classic? Um, well, it's interesting because like my uncle was sort of saying... You know, I, I was sort of explaining to him the test that I was going to give him myself, and he just sort of said to me, oh, so the thing you got to understand is that not all um, 2002s are as sorted as the kind of standard one. He sort of said that he thought that that was the better car between the two. Right. Um, but he's, and he said there was nothing wrong with the T, TII, and he sort of said that that was the one that is definitely more sought after. Like, you know, I sort of said, oh, how much are they worth? And he sort of said, oh... You know the the blue one's worth about forty. The TII, which is silver, was worth fifty plus. Um, they're not, and they're not they're not mint. Um, yeah. But the, you know, like they're mechanically kind of um, sort of. But even having said that, you know, like turning the car over, like he he turned the car over and had to kind of warm it up, and you know he almost couldn't get the um, the second one to start. Right. So. Um, you know, there's all those kind of little sort of quirks yeah. and foibles of the car. But it's it's the things you forget about, isn't it? The power steering is a cla- – I mean, forget about the safety, you know, no airbags and whatever, mm. but the, yeah. the, the main thing is the power steering. And, you know, I have memories of driving non-power steering cars. Obviously, I learnt in cars that didn't have power yeah, steering. Yeah. Yep. And I remember when you went from non-power steering to a power steering car. car. I can't remember when I had my 90s Civic. I had a 90s Civic I think that yep. had power steering. I think that might have been the first that car that, that I, the first car yeah. that I drove that had power steering. I think was that car because before that, all my cars yep. were all cars. They weren't, you know. Yeah. Um, yep. But it is a, it is something you forget about that 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 you're so used to, you know, especially when you're living in the city and you've got to do tight turns. It's something that comes into mind, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, just but would he ever sell those thing, cars? It felt so good. Would he sell those cars? Know. Like if they came up for sale, would you buy one? I would. <laughs> I actually, and uh, he he laughs because um, uh, in our family, I've got a couple of cousins. His um, his son-in-law, um, I think we're all kind of lining up, sort of saying, "Oh, like you know, if you ever kind of decide that you want to sell this, 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 or this, you know, yeah. let us know," kind of thing. He sort of said that you're all talking shit because um, he had an M2, which he literally just sold, and uh, apparently one of my cousins kind of said, "Oh, like why didn't you tell me?" And he sort of said, "Because." I know that you're not going to buy it, so <laughs> don't waste my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is that um, – so maybe a classic BM or a classic Porsche? Depends on the price, right? Classic BMs, are, I guess, are cheaper. You're talking about me? Yeah, you. No. So de- dead set <laughs> realistically, like unless I win the lotto, no chance. Like I don't have the money um, and – um, you know, like where my kind of life priorities yep. are kind of heading at the moment. When so, you get like, your new no, house no, with- you can put you can get extra cars when you got to get a you got to make sure you buy a house steve steve's looking for a house everyone yeah. when you buy a house you got to get make sure it has a four car garage and then you have a reason to buy a car because you have to yeah. fill up the garage yeah, yeah, yeah um like but you know <laughs> call, call, call it a different time and place like yeah if i had um if i had the means um would i kind of go there yeah i i reckon i i would because 
Um, to all the listeners, Steve would have bought it already. <laughs> to all the listeners, Steve would have bought it already. <laughs> He'd be talking um, about driving his new classic Porsche and BMW. He would, have both. Sing- <laughs> he would have both. If I was a his- single man, yes. <laughs> if if I was a single man, then um, yeah, this this podcast would it's, be slightly different. It's but- like two things: if I was a single man, or if I was a rich man. <laughs> it's like one of the two. Yeah, <laughs> Which one? Either. <laughs> Actually, that's the title for the podcast: <laughs> if I was yeah. a single man, or if I was a rich man. Exactly. <laughs> um, but you could definitely see it because I think for me, um, I'd think, I can't remember if I said this to you, like in a text conversation or whatever, like, or on this podcast, but I kind of, I, I really do suspect that, um, having been in, like having the 997 GT3, if I was going to kind of take the natural progression and kind of go like if i was supposedly going to upgrade from there yep the only place i've got to go is a 991.2 gt3 because i'm a stickler for manual um i've never driven one so i don't really know i'm talking at my bum a little bit but i suspect that i might not like it as much because i have a feeling that i'd i'd feel like i'd need to drive it really quickly to enjoy it and i wouldn't um yeah uh, I, I'd, I'd miss some of the rawness, which is one of the things I was worried about when I shifted from um, air-cooled to water-cooled. Yep. Um, so having said that, then to me I'd kind of go, oh, well, maybe the GT3 is, you know, dead cold, super happy, like love that thing to bits, but um, then maybe the way to kind of, like if I was going to expand the garage and get my jollies somewhere um, would be to kind of go back to, you know, whether it's a 2002 or if I could afford like a vintage 911. Um, you know, I, I suspect, not not shitting on your 912 dreams, but I have a feeling that 912 I reckon would be fun to look at, but I suspect that I would really want um, More power. a six-cylinder. Yeah. yeah, it's like people that yeah. buy a 356 that has a 90. You know, even the people that like have the Super 90, they want it up, they want the power up, which they can do. And the 356 engine is very similar to the 912 engine. But, you know, people yeah. that have the 356s with the 60 horsepower, it must kill you. It must be so slow, you know. Maybe it's not necessarily, maybe power is the wrong word too. I think maybe for me it might just be, um, I seem to kind of bang on about um, noise, like engine noise and yep. exhaust noise and induction noise. It possibly might be more um, the sound as opposed to the outright kind of power because let's face it, it sounds like they're all going to be sort of slow but or slow slower. But if you've kind of got a GT3 for that kind of um, side of things, then it doesn't really matter. But so. even but that's why when I sent you that 911T1 from Jay Leno, mm. you know, that mm. that kind of disproves that, right? It kind of shows you that, yeah, it's not going as fast. It looks like it's going fast, but it sounds amazing. You know what I mean? So if the sound and that feeling is good enough, it doesn't matter yeah. about top speed, you know? I think it's sort of like a bit of a momentum car too. Like I, in, in my uncle's 2002, like um, – I tried to kind of take it around, you know, some sort of sweeping kind of curves and just putting your foot flat to the floor and sort of seeing how it kind of felt. And it doesn't feel like all wobbly and unstable. It's really, really kind of fluid and nice. It doesn't feel, you know, like, again, I'm nowhere near the kind of, you know, um, nowhere near sort of sliding it or anything like that. I'd never, I'm not good enough driver to kind of go and jump in a car and do that. But um just you don't need to kind of drive it super quick to kind of get to sort of have fun in it. Like I'd imagine driving up the old kind of pack highway or going down south or whatever in um, that car would be mad fun. Um, I don't think you'd have to go very fast, but I reckon you'd you'd be smiling the whole way. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. So at least um, you got so a good yes. feel for it anyway. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I passed I passed my own test. Like, um, that's good. In terms of, I think my appreciation for um, like that, even before I jumped in, I think my uncle sort of said to me, uh, "Because you're of a different generation, um, you might not kind of like it." You know, he sort of said, "Like, I kind of grew up um, with these sorts of things and blah blah blah." Um, so, I think he was possibly expecting that um, it wouldn't really kind of do it for me, but. Um, I thought, yeah, no, I reckon it's great. See, I thought prices of those BMs, the 2002, would have been higher than that because I even remember 20, 20 years ago, probably more than 20 years ago, 20 years yeah. ago at least, that even then the, the TII was like sought after and they weren't cheap. They weren't super cheap then. Do you know what I mean? That was like the pick, the I 2002. Don't. But I, I thought they would <laughs> I have I came been... home and I jumped online and had a look at the values. So, um, well, yeah, I sent I you one. Kind of I sent you the one from right. European Collectibles has one. And then that auction yeah. at Silverstone this weekend, which if you watch, um, talking about classics, we're just because we're almost at the end of the podcast, Steve. I think we're going to run out of time for everything today because um, mm-hmm. we're at one out one, we're over an hour already. So, yeah. um, but people in the UK, and you can do live bidding, the Silverstone auction is on this Friday and Saturday. Um, I'd be yeah. interested to see the prices of some of the things that, that go for on that. And Harry's Garage does a walkthrough for it. I think he's. Yep. Sponsored by Silverstone. He's sponsored by them. And I noticed yeah. when he was yeah. looking at one car, that Burgundy 2002 was in the background. You know how they have yeah, one? Yeah, I saw that. And there's also yep. another 2002 for sale at European Collectibles. Um, the 911T yep. that I was looking at there, the San Beige one, that's sold already. That, that company just sells. That's where Jerry Seinfeld's bought his Porsches from before. Yep. But the, yep. that 911T they had, it sells so quickly. You've got to be, like you said, you've got to be, you know, like what you keep telling me and what James said to me in the owner's stories, you know, you have to have the cash ready and be ready to buy. You can't. You know, you just have to be ready. If you want a 911, you have yep. to have the cash ready and jump because they go very quickly. But this auction, um, there's a lot of nice Porsches there. The two that I picked out that I like, and yep. this is also yep. after talking to James, I really like the 911 SC that they have. Um, there's yep. one from Japan. It's a silver one. It's got the black interior. It's only yep. thirty to 35,000 pounds, which I think is quite reasonable for an SC. Mm-hmm. That would be a great one to buy, store in London and take it through Europe for a holiday when I stop working next year. Yep. <laughs> um, and the other one I really like. You know like, something I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> no, that was a plan. Uh, live the life. Um, <laughs> the other one that I really like, of course, uh, there's there's many there, Stephen. I, I picked out, I know there's a few that you will like, which are more the, um, there's a couple of, I think there's an RS there as well. There was a, yeah. there's a 993 Turbo there, a 98 um, there was a nine nine six eight Club Sport. Uh, James was telling yeah. me that the night the nine six eight Club Sport and Riviera Blue sold already. He knows who used yeah, to own that car. He said, "I knew the previous yeah. owner, and I know who's bought it." He said that that just yeah. sold straight away. But at Silverstone yeah. auction, there's a nine nine three Carrera RS, which is estimated one hundred eighty thousand to two hundred and ten thousand pounds, but it's in the perfect color, the yellow. Um, yep. So that it's was a pick. Yellow. Yeah, that was a pick. Yep. There was also a 911 2.7 RS Touring, a 1973 one. Like, yep. you know, if you have the money, that's 300 to 350,000 pounds. 300 to 350,000 pounds. That's beautiful as well in yellow. Uh, I don't know what that yellow is called. What's that yellow called? Did you see that one? Uh, 2.7 I... RS Touring. Um, the other one I yep. saw, Steve, uh, which I really like because I'm kind of. Oh, there was an actually, there was a 993 Carrera 2. In black, 19, 1996, lot number 441, which yep. is a 3.8 Carrera, but it's got the X51 pack on it, the yeah, power yeah, pack. Yeah. Yep. They've kind of made it look a bit like an RS, though, which I don't know if that came from factory like that, but 
the X51 power pack, which you can get in a 996. Sometimes 996 yep. has come up with that power pack. The 50th anniversary yep. 50th anniversary 996, 911 had that X51 power pack, which is supposed to be quite good. There's a Club Coupe for sale as well. Uh, the Club Coupe is 130 to 150, and the Club Coupe was the... Um, was to celebrate the Porsche, Porsche Owners Club and its original 13 members. Oh, that one. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Now, that's 130 to 150. Uh, I don't know if it's a Carrera S or not. Is it a Carrera S? I'm not sure. It's got cappuccino leather sure. and it's Brewster green, but the green is pretty nice. Um, that'll probably be worth money in years to come. And the one that I really like is uh, the – what's the name? What do you call it? Sport Classic. Sport Classic. They've got a Sport Classic, everyone. And you see it on Harry's Garage, he actually shows you it. It's 240,000 to 280,000 pounds. I think the one that sold in the US was about 560,000 US dollars recently, plus fees, plus uh, auction fees. So that's about right. But there is one there. Have a look at it 997 Sport Classic. I know some people. I wasn't car that one. Yeah, I know some people say it's not that special, huh? I think Zuckerman and Spike were talking about it. They didn't think it was that special. I think it's special. I think they're Um, wrong. Oh, I think this it's just doesn't. The price. Oh, this one's not right. Just... right. Sorry, Steve. Oh no, it has the seats. Sorry, I thought it had plain seats. No, yeah, go on. I think it's just more about um, the values. I don't think anyone. I was having a little kind of look um, to. I think somebody posted one on Instagram, and I just kind of flicked through the comments. I think it sort of feels like everybody kind of agrees that it's a pretty cool looking car. Um, yeah. There's bits in it that I actually don't like. I don't like the. Um, exhaust tips i hate the sort of lights how they've kind of got the white bits and then the yeah. they're more white than they're red um so that most people kind of go yeah it looks amazing but jesus is it really worth you know like the money that they're kind of asking it's gone a little bit crazy though i mean i keep i bring up mm. that story and I, I remember this vividly dutton's had one and i remember seeing it it was for sale and it lasted mm. this was years ago when it came up and it was only 2.99 then Australian yep. dollars, which is what, 220 US, less, probably 210 US at the time. So, yep. you know, whoever bought that car is, you know, it's probably worth Well, I've what? got, I was just looking at, um, I'd looked it up just before we kind of jumped on and started chatting. And the last, the last time the Sport Classic was at, um, for sale at Classic Throttle Shop. Yep. <laughs> the asking price here. Um, for an example that has 13,777 kilometres is 850 grand. So there you go, everyone. 850,000 Australian dollars. Classic Classic throttle shop is in North Sydney in Australia, in Sydney in Australia, and it sells a lot of, you know, rare cars, uh, classic cars. So that 850, so that's about 600,000 US, right? That'd be, that's close to, so that's about the value. It's sitting at 600,000 I don't US. know how old this ad is. I just kind of came up when I did a quick search. The, but. We're running out of time, but the one thing I do want to point out, if you watch that video, Harry hmm. goes through the cars and there's a couple of cars and I think it's the RS and whatever. He says these are down hmm. in value. These are good to buy now because they're down in value by about 100,000. This is down in value. So there are a couple of, car, mm-hmm. couple of Porsches I'm talking about. Not, there's so many cars at this auction if you want. Just just have a look at the auction. It's just good to look through these things and see what's there and what, you know, because you find all the prime examples. But he did actually say that a lot of the prices were down, Steve, on some of these down. Porsches. Down, I thought, because I thought it was the other way. I thought um, prices were up because everybody was kind of bored during COVID and <laughs> spending their money on cars rather than holidays and stuff like that. It was the RS, I think. I think he said it was the RSs were down in price a bit. Right. I think. You have to watch the video again. I, I, I think it was. 
All right. I think we're at time, mate. I think we'll leave it and I think we'll, yeah, cool. we'll keep our other – we're going to talk about a couple other things. I think we'll keep them to next week. Uh, let the listeners hear about that next week. I think that was a great episode. Yeah, cool. um, 50th episode, Steve. We did it. 50. Happy, happy 50th episode. Happy mate. 50th episode. Um, so we're still going strong for now. So thank you for the support. Apologies for my grumpiness. Uh, you didn't sound grumpy. Um, didn't I? <laughs> before we started, I just want to say a little little thing to finish. Before we started this podcast, Steve's neighbours were on the balcony and they had the music on and was, neighbour was singing. Um, badly, luckily, really badly. Luckily, really guys, bad music and really bad singing. So when we, 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 weren't, we weren't quite sure if we could actually record it, if, you know, to... So you guys would hear this awful singing in the background, but luckily he stopped. Yeah. Um, yep. All right, mate. Thanks for doing that. I know cool. it's been a rough day, but thanks. Thanks, um, thanks for doing it again. Oh, good. Cheers, man. All um, right. We'll see you next I'll week. St- oh, you're you're flying. Yeah, I'm flying uh, 2 a.m. on Friday, uh, Saturday morning. Arrive into London at six o'clock Saturday morning. So. Bloody hell. Sounds like an ordeal and a half. Well, yeah, it's a bit safe travels. All right, mate. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next week from London. Cheers, mate. Thanks, mate. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Porsche School podcast. Like I said, that was Steve all the way from Sydney, Australia, in his um, study, in his studio, uh, and I'm in Bahrain for now. Thanks for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>